Well, good afternoon, good evening, Resonators, people who are traveling far and wide. Uh, this is Josh, uh, pastor of Resonate, and I'm coming to you for the first time, not from the Resonate Sunday morning stage, as it were, but actually in my uh, in-law's office. <laughs> so I'm currently in the house that my wife grew up in, <clears throat> and uh, the office is actually about the size of our uh, one-bedroom apartment in Santa Monica. So it's a, it's a pretty sobering experience. But as, as many of you are probably experiencing right now, out on the road, uh, doing the dishes before family shows up, uh, I'm recording this on Christmas Eve, and so there are probably dozens of you in airplanes right now or in a car driving up uh, to home because uh, if, you, if you've been around Resonate, uh, we're in Santa Monica and we're in West LA, and so that's a place that's oddly kind of like a space where no one is really from. So this week and the next week to come is the best time to be there because you can park anywhere you want, and it, it's just a gorgeous place to be. And along with that, uh, Christmas is just a very peaceful time. There are people like to go there during the summer, uh, see the beach and everything, but no one's really digging on for winter snow or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's just a very interesting time and space to be there. So interesting that we decided <clears throat> this year as a church that we would actually not do church in a service sense. So we would not have an actual church service on either Christmas Eve or Christmas. So use this podcast as your reminder. We will not be meeting uh, tonight, Christmas Eve, or on Christmas morning, Sunday, the following day. If you're catching this on Sunday, uh, you probably realize that already. And then next week, next week is actually New Year's Day on Sunday. And so we decided if it's the same thing, it's like a holiday craziness, it's going to be a lot of people that will be out of town or will be up very late the night before. And so we decided we would uh, sort of skip that one too. So enjoy Christmas, Merry Christmas, enjoy New Year's, Happy New Year, and we're going to see you back on January 8th. So mark your calendar for that. January 8th is going to be Resonate's New Year celebration, and we're going to have uh, food and mimosas, and uh, I'm going to be starting a new series, which you're going to hear a lot about uh, coming up here from the email. So if you haven't subscribed to our email, it's at uh, www.resonate.church, and you can find all the information on how to sign up for our email, email me, uh, get our podcasts, all that good stuff. But you'll see on that website, we did a little infographic to describe who we are. And if you've been to a Resonate service, this has probably been hammered in your head by Omid. He likes to make fun of my drawing skills. It's not a well-drawn thing, but it does the trick. So basically, what it shows is there's a little church in the center, and then there are all of these arrows pointing out. And those arrows include what you're listening to right now, which is a podcast. So this is a space where you can actually be with us, be a part of Resonate, and you don't even have to step through the doors of a church. And so our, our motto, our mantra, the, we are a church for people who don't have it figured out because not, we don't either, that really is like huge in a way that people like who are going to resonate with, for lack of a better word, I need a resonate bell that every time I say resonate I can hit, uh, but people who are going to resonate with that message, it's going to be tough for them to walk into the doors of a church as their first sort of entry point to church. So we believe you'll find us online You'll want to look at us, see who we are, and you'll probably listen to one of these. And as you're doing that, you're going to say, like, I don't like the way Josh talks, so I'm not going to walk in that door. Uh, But you might love what this little church is all about. And what it really comes down to is that infographic with all those arrows out. So this week and next week, we're actually putting our money where our mouth is. We're saying our church is going to exist in this way as a community online through this podcast. And then we'll be back in physical form January 8th, so get prepared for that. Whew! That was a download. Uh, 
if you're all still with me, I'm about to launch into a small Christmas message because I, I want us to uh, be able to experience Christmas as a community together. If you guys were there last week, we had this really, really awesome Christmas celebration as a church. Uh, and Omid, who's our worship leader, did a terrific job. Um, I talked on Wonder, which is what I'm going to continue to talk about today over the podcast. And it, it was just a, Bobby, who's our artist in residence, painted this amazing star that we were all able to contribute to by putting gold leaf on it and sort of signifying our walk into 2017. Uh, but we talked a lot about the future. We talked a lot about Rudolph. We talked a lot about uh, the Christmas story. And if you missed that one, that podcast is up. <clears throat> so check that out. Uh, but today, and I have to catch myself from saying this morning, because it's not this morning, I'm recording this in the afternoon, and you're going to get this at night. So let's say tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever you're getting this, in your sweet little earbuds, uh, we are going to unpack the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas. And we're going to do that in a certain kind of way. So I'm going to bring up my notes here. We're going to do that by talking about Christmas joy. That's first. Christmas stress. That second, and then finally, Christmas wonder. And we're going to do all of that by talking about what a Christmas carol, the Charles Dickens story, has to tell us about all of this. So consider this your unofficial end to our story series, because we're still going to be focusing on the story. Uh, but I just couldn't resist uh, getting into this Charles Dickens tale. So first off, I'm going to read in Luke 2, 4 through 15. And I invite you guys, if, you, if you're able... Uh, to just sort of like hold on what you're doing, really soak this in, soak this story in. It's a little lengthy, but I'm going to try and get through it as fast as I can. Uh, on your podcast app, there's a nifty little button that you can put, and it'll put me at two times speed, so you can get through it even faster. But I want to make sure that we read this, because there's nothing better that I can do than to simply read the scripture of the Christmas story. So this is Luke 2, 4 through 15. I'm reading this in the uh, CEB translation, the Common English Bible. Now it says, Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city, called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son. A son wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby, there were shepherds in the fields guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous news for all people. For your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God, and they said, Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. So I want to pick up right on the end of that with these shepherds and their attitude towards the very first Christmas, towards this beautiful story of light, of God breaking into absolute darkness. So I talked about this last week, but that line where it says, shepherds were watching their fields by night is no throwaway. We have to look at this poetically and in context. And if we're looking at it poetically, we can see the beauty in this. What that means is that in absolute darkness, in absolute darkness, despair, 
bitterness, bleakness, that is where Jesus reveals himself. That is where God sends his son. And that is a crazy reality if we lean into that. And that's the posture I want to take uh, as we talk and, and go forward in this. But let's focus on these shepherds. So when the, it says, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. So this is, this is all of us. I would argue this is all of us very early on in life when it comes to Christmas, right? Let's go right now. I gotta see this. We gotta get on this. We used to hand out little advent calendars to kids. If you were kids, you would get them and there would be little chocolates in them and you would open up and you could not wait. You could not wait for the 25th of December. You could not wait for today or tomorrow. This was the pinnacle of your year. And all of that had to do with the wonder around that tree those presents, even more deeply, it had to do with the fact that maybe your relatives came together in a way that they never did throughout the year. This was a space and a time that was greatly set apart by not only the adults, but it was also for you. It was a chance for the whole family to come together, and it was for everyone. And if you were raised in the Christian tradition, that included maybe a trip to a church in which you would go to a church service and maybe there are shepherds on the stage, and maybe there's a Christmas tree, maybe there's a Christmas star, maybe there's a whole nativity scene, who knows? I don't know the, the background that you came from, but you would often go to a Christmas Eve service in which the pastor would talk about what it meant for Jesus to actually come down and be a part of our world and come into the muck and the craziness of our lives, and so you would take that with you, and you would have one night to sleep on it, and then you'd open up all these presents, right? So there's a psychological shift there that occurs. So I want to kind of focus on that. You would hear in church how crazy it is that there was this Savior that was born, and then you would go home, you would go to sleep, and in the morning, it was back to the presents and the people and all of that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not rallying against that. But it sort of is a mental shift from, oh, let's think about Jesus the Savior and and all that he's done for us, and then let's go to sleep, and in the morning, here we are, the real celebration begins. So what I want to do for us, my friends, over the podcast, is to try and merge those two, because I am going to argue to you that there is nothing better than opening a present, and there's nothing wrong with it. I also think that there's nothing better than understanding the actual religious, social, and cultural context that Jesus proclaimed when he entered in to a life among us. When he came down into this space in that time in history, what it meant. And so that's going to center around our Christmas joy, our first thing this morning. So this morning, goodness, I'm not going to be able to drop that. Christmas joy. Christmas joy is something that is manufactured in our society, right? So this time of year, especially, man, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve and you were to try and roll into a mall right now, you'd be inundated with advertisements and, and just craziness. And it, it, it's just, it's last minute shopping. I get it, but it's like not the place you want to go if you just want to kind of take a stroll, right? It's going to be insane down there. And that's because we believe that the Christmas joy that's supposed to come is supposed to come from this perfect, shiny Christmas that we're supposed to buy and put on. Right, And so we come out of the Christmas joy, and we come into part two of what we're going to talk about, which is Christmas stress. Somehow, this search for joy, this search for happiness, and to put on the perfect thing, somehow ends up being the most stressful thing 
we can possibly do. So why is that? Why is it that the pursuit of joy and happiness lends itself to being so stressed out? And if you're like me and you're in family situations, maybe you're going to a, a, a new family Christmas you've never been to before. Maybe you're going to a very stressful family Christmas that you've always gone to and you know the conversations you're going to have there and you're just sort of readying yourself for, oh man, I can't wait to see what Uncle so-and-so says about Uncle what and what and, and how I'm going to have to deal with that in a gracious way. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. Stress surrounds these holidays in so many ways because there's so much pressure to put on that joy. And what I think the greatest part of the story of Christmas is is that it's not something that people were were expecting to be a joyous thing. They were they weren't expecting this savior to bring them presence under a tree or happiness or anything like that, what they were expecting was a savior that literally stepped down into human history to do just that. The word savior, its root is to save, right? Emmanuel, God with us, he's here and he's going to save. And we get to celebrate that. But the problem is we focus on that celebration and less on that wonder, on that like saving individual who came in. And we focus on the wonder the crazy thing, we focus on the wonder and the mystery of the Christmas story. What happens is the stress falls away and our childlike wonder causes us to come to a place of joy. When the angels reveal themselves to these shepherds who would have been just sort of like the most, I wouldn't say the most nominal, but I would say definitely just blue-collar workers. These were these were normal guys. And not only that, they were kind of like normal guys that were shoved to the fringes. So <clears throat> if you were a shepherd and you were with sheep 24-7, and you would be with sheep 24-7, note that they came at night. So these guys are watching through the night. They're working the night shift. They're with these sheep all day, all night. So they're going to smell just like a sheep which would make them unclean. So in the Jewish tradition at that time, if you were going to enter the temple, you had to be ritually clean. And a shepherd, who would have been this sort of smelly, outcast guy, would not have been ritually clean. Therefore, he would have had no space in the temple. And when the angels come and they reveal this Christ figure, they reveal that Jesus has been born, they come to those on the fringes, on the outside, who may have never been able to feel comfortable or even welcomed inside the temple. So let's pay attention to that. The wonder and the mystery in that is that they didn't go to the people who had lived the perfect shiny temple lives. They went to the people who didn't have access to the temple before. They went to the people that they knew this would be the best news to because these people want to know God, they want to be inside the temple. They want to experience God. But because of the way that the world was set up, they weren't actually able to do that. And I think that's the most beautiful and wondrous and mysterious part of the Christmas story. You see the mystery in that, that, that this God would come to me, to, to me on the outside, that then replaces the stress of watching dozens of sheep in the middle of the night and your life and your calling and all of that stuff, it replaces all of that stress and that worry and it replaces it with joy. And that joy causes them to say, let's go right now. 
And we have to think of what an amazing job that must have been to take all of those sheep. There's no way they're just leaving them there. They're like, we got to take everything, all the herds, all of it. We got to move into this space and see this child, see, confirm what the Lord has done to us. All of this signifying the darkest of times and joy just shining its light into that darkness to the people on the fringes who wouldn't have been welcome before. Christmas, guys, is a spiritual refugee story. It is God coming to those who, who have felt like the religious world had thrown them out or had harmed them or they didn't feel welcome or even worse, they never even considered themselves a part of it. He came to them to show them that they had a home now. And here's, here's the crazier part. Here's how deep that really, really goes. So, Mary and Joseph. Let's take Mary and Joseph. Now, scholars place Mary and Joseph as probably teenagers to young adults. These are two very young parents. And on top of that, when Joseph said yes to still going forward with his marriage with Mary, they were engaged to be married when the angel came and said, you're going to have the son, his name is Jesus, the scandal that would have been around that. Because, like, in all honesty, you could tell people all day long that, well, an angel came to me, God said that I'm supposed to have this baby, and, uh, and, and trust me, it's all above board. Like, this is not what it looks like. But it probably wouldn't have gone over so well. And on top of that, you have uh, David, who is from a, a, a kingly line. So, I'm sorry, Joseph is from a kingly line, and that's the kingly line of David. And then you have Mary, who the scripture says is from a priestly line. So these would have been very deeply religious and very, like, conservative and very, like, like rule-heavy families. This would have been tradition-steeped. Like, if they were to go through with this, they would have to step outside of their family. They'd have to step outside of that. And so they go to Bethlehem for the census, Right? And again, we can't throw away these lines. They're so important. Luke writes like less than a chapter on the entire Christmas story. So this is stuff that has to be unpacked. They go to Bethlehem. And the significance of that is that that is the home of Joseph's family line. That is the home of Joseph's family line. So in this deep Hebrew culture, religious culture, to go to a city where your family line was from it meant that there would have been many, many family members of Joseph, right? Many, like, extended family, whatever it was. But the fact was, if they rolled up to one of those homes, in this tradition at this time, hospitality was a massive, massive thing. And you would take people into your home. You would take, you would take almost anyone, into your friends, into your home, and you would let them stay. You would feed them with your food. This was sort of the way that you were supposed to live your life. And for family, especially, if they showed up at your home, you would invite them in, and they would obviously stay with you. But in this story, in the Christmas story, Joseph and Mary find themselves with nowhere to go. And that's important. Because so often in the story, we think that there's some inn and some innkeeper with a torch, and he's saying, no, you can't come in here. That's not actually what happened at all. In the translation that I just read, in fact, it says that there was no room in the guest room. In the guest room. And so when Mary and Joseph have this child in a random space, which wouldn't be like a barn or something, it would likely be something below the home, below where the people would sleep. So they were in the lowly quarters where animals would have been raised and fed and kept. They were in the lowliest 
of places and they had no family that was showing up for them. Many of you who are parents understand the greatest joy as a parent when that, that first child comes. And I'm speaking out of turn here because I do not have a child. But I know that when our friends have children, one of the coolest honors for me is to be able to enter that hospital room, enter that space, and see that child for the first time. Especially if it was a family member. Man, like you'd have your family all around, and they'd be holding this child, they'd be loving on this child, and they'd be congratulating you, they'd be congratulating your spouse, this would be just this wonderful, wonderful thing. But in this story, there is no one there, but who shows up? Who does God send to serve as the family of Jesus, the family of this Messiah, this one who's come to change everything and flip everything upside down? He sends the people on the fringes. He sends the shepherds. He sends them all to be family in that moment to them. Those are the first people who get to witness this child. So, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. Classic story. If you haven't experienced A Christmas Carol in any sort of way, I'm not sure how that's possible, but you, <laughs> right now you can pause this and uh, you can go watch A Christmas Carol and it's like there are 200 versions available, I guarantee you, if you throw a stone through Google, you will hit like 50 gazillion hits on A Christmas Carol. It's something that is just lodged. It's, it's story inside of our cultural psyche. For some reason, this resonates with us so deeply. The story of Scrooge, this sort of bah humbug character who hates Christmas, who's this grumpy, like cheap, uh, kind of shady old man who has this radical encounter with something divine that then changes his mind and not just about Christmas, but his entire outlook on life. And the coolest thing about that is that it parallels in so many ways the Christ story, right? So you have the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. So if you ever watched a Muppet Christmas Carol, which is my, uh, it's, it's the tip of the top for me in terms of the, the uh, cinematography. Uh, I'm just, I can't even finish that sentence. It's a great version of it. Please watch it. There's some spectacular uh, musical numbers. Now, when I was a child, Christmas passed, all good. It's like a creepy little doll, but that's fine. I'm okay with it. It looks like, like a doll that maybe my sister would have played with. Uh, then Christmas present comes along, and it's this jovial big character. So even in the book, this is described as this jovial big man. He's the happiest kind of guy because he's in the present, right? So the past is this shadowy figure uh, in this, this sort of like quiet figure, and then the present is just joy, just pure, like charismatic joy. You just seem to love this character right off the bat, and it's because it's like completely present, completely with you, completely here, right? Then we have the Ghost of Christmas Future, which, if you've seen the Muppet version, is scary as all get out. <laughs> uh, if you've seen any version, it's like the freakiest thing. Most of the time it's just like conveyed with this strange finger that would point. If you read the book, it's, it's described in the same way. Like the, the Ghost of Christmas Future is this scary, scary presence. It's scary because it's unknown. So, right, your past is known, so it's shadowy, it's hazy. Your present is here, it's alive, it's fully with you, and so it's joyful and it's beautiful. And then your future is unclear, and so that can be frightening. And I think it is interesting that in that dark, creepy future spirit, this is the breakthrough that Scrooge has. It's in the darkest, scariest figure. 
it's not in the present and the joy and the joyful and all the laughter and the, the big charismatic figure. It's in the shadowy unknown. It's in the mystery. It's in the thing that Scrooge can't pin down and he's scared of what will happen. That is where his light and epiphany breaks through. And so as we look at the Christmas story, as we engage with Christmas and the people that we're with, we have to understand that any stress that you're putting on yourself right now to make that perfect dinner or to get that perfect gift or to, to be the perfect conversationalist at a table or to go to the perfect Christmas Eve service where there's going to be lights and lasers and sounds and fog machines and what have you, none of that is the point. The whole story of Christmas is the breakthrough we have when we realize the mystery and the wonder that Jesus is. And when you embrace that mystery and that wonder, we're going to experience Christmas like we never have before. Because just like those shepherds walking into the presence of the manger, you're seeing people that were on the fringes of society now acting as family in the presence of Christ. People that were on the fringes now acting as family in the presence of Christ. That's what Christmas is. It's a time for us, no matter who we are or how we're related, or even if we're not related, even if we're in a really bleak situation, we're not looking forward to this Christmas at all, the good news is that this is actually a time where we can reflect and go like, when we were once all on the fringes, here we are now all together in the presence of this new thing, this saving grace, this Jesus Christ, this figure that's going to change everything. And we get to lean into that deep, awesome reality and we get to be family. And if that's not a beautiful picture of the church, then I don't know what is. The fact that we can gather together, and no matter who we are or where we've come from, if we're from the outside or the inside, or from the inside or the outside, whichever way you're looking at it, when we come together and we encounter this Jesus, this, this in this sense, this baby in a manger, but in our sense, this, this, this Jesus, this Christ, when we experience that, something shifts and we're no longer outside, inside, or family. We're together. And in that, we can accomplish amazing, amazing things. We just have to look at the story in a different way. So, I just pray over you wherever you are right now. I pray over your, your family, your space, your... Um, Maybe it's, maybe it's not family at all. Maybe it's just you. I don't know. But I, I just hope that this Christmas you can understand that the situation that you're walking into with all the differences that we come together around a table at a Christmas dinner or a Christmas Eve dinner, all the differences, all the craziness that we come with when we are together, we can be family. And we can share in things and we can do things. Whether we get along or not or we agree or not, we can still be unified in one thing. And that is that in the bleakest of times, in the darkest of hours, this Christ figure broke through and changed everything. So let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. And then you can uh, get on to your listening to more Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Cool? All right, let me pray. God, I'm so grateful uh, for the technology and the availability um, that is allowed to us nowadays that we can gather together even if we're not in the same physical space. And so I just pray for Resonate. I pray for everyone 
who's hearing this, that they would just have an awesome Christmas with, with their loved ones or with themselves or wherever they find themselves. But God, I pray that you would find them wherever they are and that we would just remember the, the real meaning of this amazing story that you are in the center of. So we love you and we're looking forward to New Year's and we're looking forward to everything um, that is to come. Amen. God bless you guys. You guys have a terrific Christmas.